When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello everybody and welcome along to the post-game podcast on the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red channel with myself Patrick Smith after the Reds thrashed Leeds United 6-1 at Ellen Road thanks to braces from Mohamed Salah and Diogo Jota and Cody Gakpo and Darwin Nunes also getting on the score sheet. It was a much-needed and resounding win from Liverpool, who once again teases that the top four race is back alive. Can they do it? Stick around with us here on the post-game podcast as we bring you the reaction from the Liverpool Echoes' Paul Gorst, LFC manager Jurgen Klopp and the travelling Red supporters. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Liverpool secured just their fourth away win of the Premier League season with a 6-1 win here against Leeds United this evening. Um, a game that... Uh, the uh, visitors never really allowed the host to get involved in. Um, Jürgen Klopp didn't make any changes from last week's 2 2 draw with Arsenal, um, but did have a space for Luis Diaz in the squad, his uh, first place in a match day squad since the knee injury he picked up against Arsenal way back in early October. Uh, obviously, he underwent surgery in December and is now back in the Liverpool squad. He got around about 10 15 minutes towards the end, and that will be, um, well, he'll be delighted with that, I'm sure. But before then, Liverpool had uh, tour. The host just read, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold was superb in a bit of a hybrid midfield position. We've seen him play there in the second half against Arsenal and it was a bit of a, uh, perhaps maybe a risky experiment as far as uh, Klopp's concerned, but uh, he needn't have worried that Alexander-Arnold was superb. Two assists to his name, uh, the first and the sixth. Um, the first one was after he charged down Junior Fairpo, but later on the play for Cody Gakpo to score his fifth. Liverpool goal, uh, an easy tap-in for the Netherlands international. Um, Liverpool made a 2-0 when Jota laid the ball into Mohamed Salah for his um, 25th goal of the campaign. It was a wonderful finish past Ilian Mesley. And uh, Liverpool went in at the break, two goals to the good and having quietened the Ellen Road crowd down. It never really looked like Liverpool were going to do anything other than come away from here with a win. But um, Lewis and Stere capitalised on a moment of indecision from Ibrahim Akanate to make it 2-1 and from there Ellen's, Ellen Road atmosphere went up, the uh, fans were on side and suddenly tackles were a lot sharper, uh, the, the leads were getting the blocks in and looked like they were going to put up more of a fight than perhaps the scoreline eventually suggested they did. Um, Liverpool made it 3-1 with Jota finishing off a wonderful pass from Curtis Jones. That was his first goal since uh, Manchester City away in April of 2022, would you believe? Uh, he's gone over 12 months without a goal. Uh, that owes so much to the uh, six-month period that he's had uh, with the, car the first the calf injury, or rather the hamstring injury in pre-season and the calf injury he picked up against City in the home game uh, in October. His season has pretty much been rocked by those injuries, but this was a lot more like it from the former Wolves man. He had another one when Liverpool went through the gears and um, he struck it uh, on the edge of the box after a pass from Jordan Henderson fired the first half past Davian Mesley and went in off the post to make it uh, I think that was possibly 5-1 uh, before then. Mohamed Salah put the finishing touches on a wonderful sweeper move involving Andy Robertson and Gakpo and Jota and uh, Nunes came off the bench as one of four substitutes late on. 
finishing off after a, a wonderful pass over the top from Alexander-Arnold. So all in all, it was a very good night for Liverpool, just their fourth win on the road, as I say. Um, but um, perhaps a little bit of a change from what we've come to expect from Liverpool. We've seen them be uh, horrendous on the road at times this season, you know, defeats at the likes of Brentford and Brighton and Wolves. But uh, this was... Um, much more like it, and the fact that it's only their fourth um, biggest win of the season in all competitions suggests that Liverpool, for all the confidence issues that we've had, uh, understandable energy issues in the field and for all the problems that we talked about all season, they can still um, turn it on when they get the win in the sales. They've obviously beaten Leeds United 6 1 here, they've beaten Manchester United 7 0, they've beaten Bournemouth 9 0, they've beaten Rangers and Ibrox 7 1. So, this is a team that can still smell blood. Um, it's just a case of getting that swagger, that confidence back into the game on a more consistent basis. Perhaps it's come too late for the Champions League places this season, but there are still Europa League places up for grabs, and this will be a welcome boost for Jürgen Klopp as uh, he prepares to welcome uh, Nottingham Forest to Anfield on um, Saturday afternoon. It's finished here at Elland Road, Leeds United 1, Liverpool 6. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. I don't know. What, uh, okay, please me most. My, m- sorry, the um, moment of the game, the best uh, I enjoyed the most was the 92nd minute. Impressive. Yeah, it's, I think it's already five or six one, and we lose the ball, and four players chase him, chase the poor, poor player from Leeds in that moment down. I think that's the basis for the whole game. Um, because gave, that gave us stability. It was count, from a counter-pressing point of view, definitely the best game we played this season. Um, in possession, probably as well. Being calm, prepared with little passes, preparing uh, direction in a really good way. At least three goals we scored after counter-press, uh, which is obviously massively helpful. Um, and so... And then we were calm in the in the in the decisive moments to pass except to pass exceptional balls. I think Moore's second was um, super play. But I'm not sure was it Curtis to Robbo and then Robbo or, or maybe Joe. Uh, and then yeah, and then Cody and then going the ball to Moore. So that was really really good. A lot of good moments. Um, last goal, sensational pass from Trent and um, Darwin can finish it off. So. Um, yeah, it was a good game. And for Diogo, big for him to wait so long for a <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, injured too long, eh? so same like um, Lucho, um, and that's um, obviously tricky. Diogo was involved in a lot of top top moments, like won the ball back before the first, set up the first for more. Um, but still, you can see there's space for improvement. We have some moments where you can see the rhythm, maybe not not 100%. But so the front three played tonight. They could it could have had a completely different front three, but because of the way um, they defended tonight, that was the important part of it. Because football, they all can play football, but we need to understand that it starts there. Um, I think the counter pressing mode was set by Curtis and Hendel. It was absolutely top how they um, um, chased pretty much every everything on the pitch. That was super important. But I didn't remember a situation where Robbo was in a one-one situation or 
Trend was a one-one situation because we were always moving to the ball side to so many important things and um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, super important. So Luis is back. He's, he's now lacking rhythm, which is normal. Bit of sharpness, but that's normal as well. So he's in training sessions. It's not you cannot get there to the final degree of, of sharpness. Um, so we now try to just um, help him getting step by step back really into the team to getting him, giving him minutes. And um, yeah, but. It's just nice to see him play, to be honest. I, mean, I missed him so long, so it's just nice to see him being involved again. Tom? He won the ball back for the first goal from that position as well, so like stepping really out. Yeah, yeah, no, was good. Was good, yeah, yeah, impressive. I think it was, uh, the highlight was then the last pass, but he had a few more from that position. So, um, yeah, um, wherever Trent is, he can be decisive with his passes. He was as very often for us. That's how it is. And um, tonight was a, was a good game. You could see that he enjoyed it. Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we, what where it will lead to, but I said it now in all TV interviews already. So it's super important what's happening from now on because it all gives us information. Because it will go on after that, eh? so there will be a next season. So I have no clue where we can end up this season. I don't just don't know because it depends massively on all other teams around us. So so many teams are in front of us and they can win all their games as long as we don't play them. Can win all their games without we can anything do against that. So. Um, yeah, but that's now in the mo in this moment not too important. What is important that we, um, what we showed in the second half against Arsenal, because I think after in that season we all agree this game could have gone either way. Yeah, Tuning down early, Arsenal is flying, and they scored a third, they scored a fourth, poof, and you have a real problem. So, but we reacted well and um, got the point which we deserved the least, I would say. Um, and tonight now super important that we really understand uh, what we got here. We play a really bad season, but some things are not really to explain. Something are some things are definitely to explain and not acceptable. But now we have, when we put in good performances, we can understand what's possible. So and um, that's really really important for me, and that's why I don't think where we will where we can push to. Or whatever. Just, I just want us to play top football and play and win, win games, and, and then we will see where we end up. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye bye. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mike Holt from Go in the Match podcast with my review on Leeds United 1, Liverpool 6. Um, that was all right, wasn't it? Um, first win in what feels like forever. Um, it doesn't actually change our position in the league, but it was such a nice nice feeling to win a game of football. Um, just looking at the league table here, we're actually only six points off fourth, believe it or not. Um, 
given how sort of sorry that nine points actually we're off uh, fourth, given how sort of how turgid we've been this season, to only be nine points off fourth is um is an odd one really. Um I've tried to not look at the league table in recent recent weeks. Um but you know how how good's that to get that sort of win and that performance under our belt. Um exceptional. Um it was funny really because the first half an hour, um, we were playing the most Brendan Rogers style football I've ever seen. You know, every time every time we were getting the ball, we were either playing it playing it backwards or side to side. You know, there was runners and there was gaps open, but we just didn't have that through ball or that person to pick the head up and play that through ball. Um and as soon as we got the goal, it was just like the the confidence just oozed. Um it was like it was like a release of pressure. It was strange. Um Obviously, Gakpo opens a score and Salah gets two, Jota gets two and Nunez off the bench getting one. Um, you know, we literally did run riot in that in that second half. Um, but like I say, first half, it, it just took for that goal and we and we used confidence. Canati makes a mistake for the goal, but that can happen. Um, you know, the lads got him out of jail and that's not happened enough this season. You know, when people have made mistakes, which is going to happen, you get your mate out of jail by... Scoring goals or making making a last ditch tackle, um, and they got him out of jail there tonight. So it was nice to see. Um, I really enjoyed Gakpo's performance. Really enjoyed Gakpo's performance. Um, you know the way that he's gone into that false nine position. Um, the, there's just little signs like that 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 encourage you for next season. You know you want to you want to see something like that to put your hat on and go, yeah, that's what we're going to play like next year. Um, and so long as those sort of things happen, you know, you can get behind it, can't you? Very rarely do you see a, a, a player of his size cover that much ground. Um, when he gets the ball on the half turn and he makes those quick transitions, he's been an absolute joy to watch. Um, Jota was tried a funny game, didn't he? First half an hour, he was absolutely woeful. Scores his goal and all this confidence he uses out of him and he can't stop scoring. Um, Salah, you know, to get back on the score sheet will be good for him after missing the penalty last week. And then obviously Nunez coming off the bench. I think he looked like he had a bit of a point to prove to start the game. Um, I was quite surprised he didn't start the game, but nice for him to get that goal at the end there and have the, the away fans chant his name. Um, Leeds were poor. You know, they were poor. They, were, they just sat back and invited pressure and... Luckily for us, we managed to break them down, and you know they they are looking like rele- relegation fodder. Unfortunately for them, um, but the Reds the Reds are brilliant there tonight. In a way, it kind of annoys me because I think, you know, where's that been all season? But then you know if they can put a run of wins together to the end of the season, then fair enough. Um, a, a fair play to Leeds United. You know the way that they, the way that they, um, they did the the ninety seven. Um, the 97 flowers towards our way end um, and the way that the club have sort of respected um, the, the whole um, the whole uh, tragedy chanting as well. Um, they've made quite a bit of a big thing about that on their social media that, you know, for both sets of supporters and all and all football teams in the Premier League that, you know, this shouldn't be, it shouldn't be tolerated, um, that they should be applauded for the way that they've gone about that. Um, not their night, but it was our night today. Um, we're going to Forest at the weekend. And you're just hoping that we can sort of put a run together and consistency. Just, we've been massively lacking. Um, 
put the run of form together, Liverpool, and you know, wins like this we can actually celebrate rather than feel like, oh, have we turned a corner? Have we not turned a corner? You should expect three points on Saturday, and maybe, maybe, we can actually start looking at the league table. Liverpool score six at Elland Road against what I gotta say was an absolutely dreadful Leeds United performance, but you can only beat what's put in front of you, and Liverpool did that after not looking too healthy within the first 30 minutes, all of a sudden the ineptitude of Leeds and the fact that Liverpool have simply got more quality on the field seemed to take its toll and Liverpool came out comfortable winners in the end. But yeah, Leeds were absolutely shambolic at times. And that's why it's hard to judge, really, Liverpool's performance. And especially, I suppose, Liverpool's change to a differing in-possession system, which... I said last week when we talked about Liverpool's season really being over in terms of trying to achieve anything in the league, seeing as that's the only competition they're left in and obviously the, the, the Champions League just seems so far removed that it, it, it just for me is off the table. So what I was sort of calling for was to Liverpool to implement a tactical plan that they were going to use going forward into next season not just in terms of personnel playing in certain areas, but the actual how the shape of the team would look. And who's to know how Liverpool are going to start next season in terms of both of them aspects. But I think it is refreshing to see something slightly different being implemented because certainly what has been the old system and the old methodology that served Liverpool so well over the last few years has certainly not worked this season. So the fact that they now look to implement this in-possession differing system going towards the end of the season will be interesting. It'll certainly be tested a lot more than it would would have been tonight or has been tonight against Leeds United. But talking about the system, and I think that's the big thing to come out of the last two games, really, the fact that Liverpool have changed that in-possession system in the way they build up. And I think it's interesting to know sort of where this system comes from because it, it came from Guardiola's last season at Barcelona, I mean, Cruyff obviously implemented it as well, and it very much is a 3-4-3 in the way it's set up. And I think a lot of people, what they've done in the past, they've they've mistaken that for a 3-5-2, really. What, in normal circumstances, you would see full-backs operating in wing-back positions. So you think of, like, Liverpool under Roy Evans with Rob Jones, Stiginga Bionaby, Jason McAteer, these kind of players operating in them roles, receiving the ball a little bit higher than full-backs normally would and taking up them positions. But still, primarily defensive players in that they would drop into a back five out of possession, especially if the team were under pressure within the game. And that is not the current system of Liverpool, or it hasn't been in the last two games, and wasn't under Guardiola, which for me, where it originated from after he reincarnated it from the Cruyff era. And what Guardiola did was, in that final season... He had a, a magnitude of midfield players who Thiago, Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi and also Cesc Fabregas who he was trying to find a place for in the, in the highest line of the team because he was struggling to find places for, for all of them five players within the midfield slots and obviously with other Messi dropping into that central area as well. And within any, any system in football, what you're looking to do is you're looking to gain that superiority normally in the centre of the park. And obviously this system allows you to do that because... What essentially it's doing is it's giving you one other central player within that build-up. So today, for example, Fabinho 
and Alexander Arnold would be the deeper of the two midfield players. And then what you're asking is you're asking Curtis Jones and Jordan Henderson to, to take up them sort of outside central positions a bit higher. So there is a, a, a very much a, a difference in how them two setups work. And like I say, talking about wing backs in the old three five two system, in the modern day three four three brought in by Guardiola, what that sees is there's no wing backs in the system. Essentially, the whiff within the team comes on the highest line of the pitch from the forward players. So if you take Burnaby and say Makatea from Liverpool back in the 90s as wing backs, they then get replaced by players playing high in the highest line of the pitch in, say, Pedro and Alexis Sanchez in that last season for Guardiola, for example. And what that looks to do is, first thing, out of possession, it looks to pin the opposition as a as a back four, back five, whatever they're setting up as, because what essentially it's doing is it's giving you them forward players in the highest line of the pitch operating really wide, so it's stretching the opposition back line, no matter numerically how many players they have in that system. So that is is creating that situation. Now, what it also does is by having an extra player within that central period of the team is it enables more pressure to be put on the ball higher because rather than Alexander-Arnold being his normal right-back swap when the ball originally breaks down in the counter-press and transition stage of the game, when the ball's immediately lost... He's higher in that central area, which gives the security to then try and steal the ball back and gives that protection. And that's what Guardiola essentially brought the system in for. He wanted more bodies around the ball, higher on the pitch, to be able to limit the amount of time and space that the opposition had to get their head up and be able to play out from them areas. And the third thing, sorry, there is three things, is in the build-up by Alexander-Arnold taking up that position. What it essentially does is Liverpool has split as a back three so, in this sense, Canati, Van Dijk and Robertson. Alexander-Arnold will play infield alongside Fabinho, giving different passing angles to be able to improvise Liverpool's build-up, accept the ball, maybe different alternate movements between the players in the highest lines. And then what that does is, because it's freeing up the outsides of the pitches, it allows a free ball into Salaru or whoever the player is who's operating on the left side of the field. So it's it's interesting how Liverpool's sort of patterns and the areas that some of the players will find themselves in will be different and we'll see how successful or unsuccessful that is. So, for example, Salah will be accepting, accepting the ball in much wider areas because he's becoming the whiff in the team. Obviously, Henderson will filter into that area as well, but essentially the free ball will be from that Canati pass or Alexander-Arnold pass if it's given to him in the central area out to Salah because... That is that channel has been opened up by Alexander Arnold's invert and coming inside. That then brings the opposition player inside because they numerically have to match up. Which again, it'll be interesting because Salah for me his big strength isn't one v one dominance, so he isn't a fantastic player in the one v one in terms of isolating players, creating separation, and being able to go by them. Don't get me wrong; he's a very efficient player in that. But that is not his elite trait, and you'd say the same today for Diogo Jota, who plays on the left hand side. However. So straight away to me, that says to me, well, right, is that really the perfect way to go for Liverpool in terms of maybe some of the profiles? Obviously, for different profiles in the squad, such as Luis Diaz, Liverpool's best dribbling in one one v one scenarios, that would probably be the ideal because he's receiving the ball wide where he wants to accept it with pressure from one side. 
But as much as I'm saying that, and obviously it forces these players to operate a little bit wider, I don't think Salah's had more opportunities in games throughout the season than he has amalgamated in these two games against Arsenal and Leeds United and two very varying degrees of quality between the two teams as well. So that's the first thing. And obviously with Alexander-Arnold then, he's playing in a role which is more central. You know, I sometimes question whether fullbacks can play in higher areas. And what I mean by that is it's not as simple as fullbacks going from a fullback position because they're good at attacking and seeing the game in front of them to then all of a sudden be playing on the right wing with it, accepting the ball on the half turn. It's a totally different game. And maybe having to manage in isolation and look to cause 1v1 separation against the defender. I always have my doubts about that and I don't think it works in the majority of the cases. The difference, I suppose, with Alexander-Arnold is he's playing infield. Now, again, normally you'd say that'd be very difficult for, say, a full-back who's, for the majority of his youth career or his first-team career, has played with pressure from one side as the full-back. However, Alexander-Arnold, we know, has played hundreds of games in at youth level in that central area and certainly started promisingly so far in how he's adapted to it in the areas that he's been able to get in and influence the game. So that, obviously, is one want to look at and I felt again because of them additional numbers early higher on the pitch in central areas in condensed spaces Liverpool were able to put enough pressure on the ball to steal the ball back both against Arsenal and against Leeds United again we'll have to see the barometer as the, as the weeks and, and months go on I suppose but in order for this system to work, I suppose, going forward next season as well, them outside centre-halves, if, if they are going to stick to the system, really need to be elite players and being able to manage 1v1 duels. We know Kanati is, is that. He's very comfortable going into them outside channels and being able to, to match up opposition because of his strength and physicality. Robertson isn't an ideal fit by any means, being a, a small full-back player as one of them back players. But obviously what you do have to consider, and this is what has changed from Guardiola's first sort of development of the system is it never used to be a full-back as that additional player in midfield. He had a, a, Chia, a, a Thiago or a Fabregas as that extra midfield man. Now it's moved on to being an Alexander-Arnold, a Zinchenko, a John Stones. And although that when the ball is turned over and the, and the full-back operates in that central midfield zone and wins it back high from that central zone, what you'll notice is, and this has been the adaptation, is the fullback then retreats to his normal position when there is no pressure on the ball, when you are essentially in a rest defence, when you've had time and, time and space to be able to regain your shape. And that is different from how Guardiola first implemented the system because he used to look at them outside central midfield players to be able to do that job when the ball was turned over. So it is a slightly different implementation of it. But yeah, again, you know, if you were looking going forward and he wanted to continue with that, probably a different profile than Andy Robertson who would play in there, maybe a left-sided centre-half who's got great physicality and maybe like an Eric Abadal who used to play the role very well for Barcelona in the in the periods where Guardiola used it. So there's just a few of my thoughts, early doors on the system. It'll, you know, it's by no means anywhere set in stone that Liverpool are going to use it going forwards over a longer period of time. But it's just been interesting to see it implemented and they've certainly played better within the last one and a half games than they have done through previously in the season. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.